Welcome to Off The Bench with Benny Jones. Yeah, welcome to Off The Bench. Great to have your company. Some of our big moments from the week of sport and what a week it has been. A rallying cry across a number of codes supporting all of those suffering through these horrific bushfires at the moment. The Aussies wrap up the series against New Zealand in convincing style at the SCG. And we'll also talk a little bit of basketball and some A-League. Benny Jones, my name. Great to have your company. Thanks for stopping by. Makita Power Player and also a racing update from Sammy Hyland not too far away. But the cricket is where we start and a dominant summer from Australia. Well, the full stop was put on that at the SCG with a big win over New Zealand. 3-0 for that series. Pakistan 2-0. 5-0 overall. We caught up with SEN Test commentator and expert and former Aussie star, Lisa Stalaker. Stark bowls. Blundell drives. So he's caught at points. Lions taking a blinder down to his right. It's spliced off the outside of Blundell's bats. Lion with big eyes and great mitts hauled it in. He's got such a role to play in this fourth innings and he's just opened up by taking a pearler of a catch. Yeah, joining us on Sports Day, a uh, lady who wears many hats at the moment. Of course, former Australian Test one day and T20 champion her own right. Now teaming up with the SEN Test Cricket commentary team and a little bit of Big Bash Nation as well. Lisa Stalaker has been kind enough to join us on Sports Day to recap the Australian New Zealand series. Welcome, Lisa. Thanks, guys. Um, day off. You, you probably had been <laughs> planning to be working a fifth day at the SCG, but as has been the trend throughout the entire summer, fifth days have become somewhat irrelevant when Australia are involved. Yeah, the Australian team have had a, a dominant summer and the fact that they play, they've played five test series and managed to finish it within four just shows you how well this group has been tracking. Uh, certainly when uh, the Australian summer started, everyone was talking about Steve Smith and, and whether he was going to repeat the feats that he had was able to accomplish over in the ashes. But uh, at the end of the summer, everyone's talking about Marnus Labuschagne. Hmm. Oh, and he was absolutely outstanding, wasn't he, Marnus? Before we get to him... Let's talk about these uh, the four-day tests that have been mooted. Some people shouting it down, others saying it's necessary. Do you, where do you stand on this, Lisa? Uh, look, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of not meddling too much within the purest format of the game. Um, we've got one-day cricket and T20 and, and even some degree T10 and obviously the 100 starting as well this year. So we've got plenty of formats. Um, I, I can understand the reason why... Uh, it's being discussed. Um, and I said on, on the coverage actually yesterday that if if administrators are, are that keen to have four-day uh, test matches, and given the fact that it's we've got this test championship um, and they're looking at these four-day tests from 2023, why don't the top four or five, when they play against each other, have five-day test matches, mm. but then the bottom-ranked, within the test championship become a four-day test match. Um, but still, I'm, I'm the type of person that uh, against England, against uh, India, against South Africa, and even though New Zealand were really disappointing this series, you know, I, I'd like to think they've learnt some lessons. Um, you want to be playing the best countries across five days because you don't want rain to be an issue um, and, and you want a, an outcome to, to happen. Yeah, well, and, and I doubt, Lisa, and I like, like your thoughts on this, I doubt that we would have got a result inside four days if the Kiwis knew that that was going to be the end of the, of the test. They were, you know, I think there's a, there's a good chance they would have been able to just stonewall us a bit longer. Yeah, there, there's certainly there's, there's theories out there of how it would be played, and um, you, you may see some more aggressive declarations. 
Um, but you'll also probably see a few more draws. Um, there is incentive with the Test Championship to try and get wins um, and get certain points. Uh, but, um, yeah, obviously it gives us a great discussion uh, for the pundits and fans alike. And, and uh, a lot of the key players have been saying look, they're, they're quite happy to keep five-day test matches. I guess we've, we've meddled with test cricket in the sense of we've got pink ball and we've got day-night. Mm. Um, I'm happy to keep it like that. And I think just that little tweak is important enough. And let's just mm. give it give it some time. I, I yeah. do think we, we're trying to jump in the gun a little bit because we're, we're all concerned. Um, but let's just give it some time because test cricket has been able to survive a lot of changes already. Yeah, I think it's been fantastic. And, uh, from our point of view, Aussie's point of view, five from five against Pakistan and New Zealand. But does that say more about the way we performed or about the uh, the quality or lack thereof of our opponents? Well, certainly coming to Australia, and we find it in, in test cricket around the world, um, winning away from home is hard. Mm. So it doesn't matter which country you're in. Um, it, the conditions, the home side is obviously more equipped, better equipped, um, have players that are used to those type of things. And with the jam-packed schedule, a lot of countries now are travelling over. They don't really have that many warm-up matches and they're straight in it. Uh, New Zealand is a prime example. Literally fly in to Perth, so go to the other side of the country. Um, massive time difference and then play a pink ball test match. And we saw yeah. how the results went there. So um, it, it is difficult. Um, but they've all, also Pakistan and New Zealand have come across an Australian side that has been building up to this test summer. You know, you remember you know, 18 months ago, cricket was in disarray. Everyone was unsure how people would, would see the Australian team. We had two of our best players out of the game for almost 12 months, and it was their first chance to play test cricket at home, and they were champing at the bit. Lisa Stalaker joining us here on Sports Day, part of the SEN Test Cricket and Big Bash Nation commentary teams. Uh, the stocks rose for pretty much every Australian involved throughout those two series, maybe with the exception, and I am being pretty harsh here, I would have thought too, Lisa, on Joe Burns. There has to, I guess, be spotlight on someone at any given time as to who <laughs> might be at, at, at some risk of dropping in or out of the side. So what do, what do you make of that? Is, is Joe pretty secure for the time being? Because everyone else, I mean, was scoring runs for fun and taking wickets aplenty. He, he kind of really got, you know, a couple of starts and sometimes he didn't really get starts. So he would uh, look back and be certainly disappointed that he didn't go on um, with the opportunity. Uh, however, the next test match that the Australians play is Bangladesh, and I think that's around June. So mm. there is plenty of time before Australia start playing red ball cricket. We've still got the back end of the Sheffield Shield to be played. So I would imagine that the Australian selectors will look closely on who out of the openers uh, are performing well. And it, it will be, again, of who's the best person, who's who's best in form to, to actually play for Australia. Um I'd like to think that they'd give a little bit more opportunity to Joe Burns. Um, but you know what? This is a professional sport um, and people live and die by their results. So I can understand why mm. there have been questions around Joe Burns. But I get a sense that this Australian team, they're, they're a happy camp at the moment. And sometimes when you're a happy camp, you don't like to bring players in um, all the time or keep chopping and changing. Mm. You want to kind of stick with a core group. And I get a sense that they might uh, do that given the fact that there was a lot of questions raised about Joe Burns not even playing, um, not remaining for the Ashes because of his performance last Australian summer. 
Yeah, and there's been a lot mentioned too. It's a good point you make, Lisa, about his relationship with David Warner at the top of the order and what uh, he's done for Warner's cricket as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm of the same belief. I think he's, he's pretty safe for now. A player who's definitely safe uh, and who, uh, I guess, through only a strange quirk in his career, considering he's a New South <laughs> Welshman, Nathan Lyon and his record at the SCG coming into this test match had, had, had actually been his worst on all Australian grounds. But 10 wickets for the match... We talk a lot about our pace quartet. We include Josh Hazelwood into that conversation, of course. But uh, there's a bloke by the name of Nathan Lyon who's just so consistent over the last four years of cricket. It's just been amazing. He has. And, you know, everyone was shocked to find out the first innings that it was his first Pfeiffer at the SCG, <laughs> yeah. uh, which tends to turn a little bit more. But it also tells you that the New South Wales side doesn't play mm. enough shield cricket at the SCG as well. Um, but... Uh, you know, we, you're right, we talk about our fast bowling cartel, but what Nathan Lyon has been able to do, he's our most successful finger spinner um, in Australian test history. It just shows that he goes about his business pretty quietly, but he plays such a crucial role. And uh, even on wickets that don't turn, he gets the extra bounce. Um, he's able to jag a wicket every now and again. And um, he's, he's really part of the Australian team, hence why... He's the one that sings the team song. He's the one that decides it. And yep. that's um, when players pass that on to the next player, it's someone that means uh, a lot within the playing group and the glue within the, within the side. And, and Nathan Lyon is exactly that. Hey, uh, Lisa, is there, is there an area that we can improve or we need to improve, um, given that we're... We're going to play the top, the top nation, the Indians, at the end of uh, or the end of the year and next summer. Is there an obvious area, or do you see perhaps little small increments that we uh, across the board could help the Aussies? Well, I think I think the Australian team has always been fairly dominant when the ball hasn't been moving much. Um, you know, um, and that may be whether it be swing, seam, or spin. Now, coming up against an, uh, an Indian side next summer, you know they've got some. You know, exceptionally far, um, good fast bowlers in Jasper Bumra, Mohammed Shami, um, mm. and then their spinners of um, uh, Ravinda Jadeja and Kuldeep Yadav, the left arm wrist spin. Um, they're going to come up against some quality players, and uh, they'll be tested. You know, India is a side that certainly can beat Australia here on home soil. Obviously, they did it last summer, but we were missing a few players, so it'll be a good contest. Um, we just need to keep ensuring that we keep, um, as individuals, they keep improving and working on their game. Um, you know, I, I feel that Marnus Labuschagne, Steve Smith, they've got a very clear idea of what they need to do when they go out there in the mi- middle. And David Warner, off the back of a very poor Ashes campaign, made some slight adjustments with his stance. Um, and obviously we saw how success- successful that was uh, this summer. So players need to keep keep adapting, keep developing. Um, and I certainly know that this group will. Justin Langer at the helm will always want to make sure that no stone is unturned and that the guys keep building upon the success that they've got. Great chat with Lisa Stalaker on Sports Day through the week. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, my one-on-one with Penrith Panthers star James Tarmow. What the Panthers are doing for bushfire relief efforts, but also his own personal battle on the fire front through the off-season. We'll hear about that next. A power player and plenty more. You are listening to Off The Bench. This is Off The Bench. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Off The Bench, right around Australia. 
Yeah, welcome back to Off the Bench. Great to have your company, Benny Jones, here with you, talking all things sport. Looking back on the week that was, and looking forward to what promises to be another big weekend across a number of sporting pursuits. Now, James Tarmow is a household name when it comes to rugby league. He's a fan favourite with the Penrith Panthers, and a man who has had to fight his own personal battles on the fire front protecting family homes over the Christmas New Year period. So it came as no surprise that the Penrith Panthers have decided to do their bit for the local community, a big event happening at Panthers Stadium this weekend. I thought I'd catch up with James to find out what that's all about, how he's coping with it all, and, of course, talk a little footy along the way. Yeah, so uh, the, obviously the devastation uh, around Australia at the moment is the bushfire, and uh, obviously can't express that enough. So the Panthers have um, are jumping on board which is great to see, uh, to obviously um, donate and to fundraise a bit of money or anything. Panther fans or anyone in particular yeah. who wants to come down and, and donate every little bit counts. Um, and the, the bushfire uh, is something that I hold close to my heart, obviously, um, yeah. uh, being a part of it in the break and, and, and all that. So it's something that I hold close to, something that I'm passionate about. Well, well let's delve into that a little bit more, James, because you know, all, all players, and we've seen in other sports across the country, are putting their shoulder behind the wheel. It's been really heartwarming to see the response from so many high-profile types when it comes to fundraising and pledges and the like, but this does cut deeper for you, because generally, if I was chatting to you at this time of the year, any other season, I'd say, how was the Christmas break, New Year? Did you get up to anything special, just a yeah. time to put the feet up and relax? And that's the opposite of what you've been doing over the past couple of weeks. Tell us a little bit about uh, your efforts in, in helping other members of the community fight these fires and, and just how uh, taxing that's been on you physically and emotionally. Yeah, mate. So, yeah, we uh, drove down to the in-laws property uh, there down in Braidwood and uh, the fires from the... Uh, Braidwood's about 40 minutes from Batemans Bay, obviously the south coast there, and, yeah. and the fires are pretty devastating down there and they've sort of uh, gone up a bit to Braidwood, so... Braidwood's getting getting pretty hammered, not, not as bad as Batemans Bay. So I, I, yeah, we went down to the in-laws. Um, uh, spent so Christmas Day, about seven days in a row, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, mm. or every day after that, uh, helping out. So we, we thought we'd get the property sorted. Just, you know, the fires are bound to sort of hit there sooner or later. Uh, then we thought, oh, you know, we'll go down and, and help out where we can and... These are the RFS and, and even the volunteers when they saw us, they, 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 their eyes opened up. And yeah. Obviously, um, they, they were a bit thin, bit thin on numbers, so uh, yeah. that, that was sort of tough to see. But as soon as they saw us, they gave us a job and we were, we were happy to take orders. When I, when I say we, I mean me and my uh, my brother-in-laws and my father-in-law yeah. um, went down to help. And it was... Um, it was nothing I've ever seen or experienced. Uh, mm. You know, fighting fires that are, you know, climbing up trees that are taller than you. You don't know if, uh, mm. if you know, the trees are going to come crashing down and, and these winds are blowing them, you know, as quick as, as, quick as anything uh, through the forest and through the, through the uh, field there. So it, w- it was pretty daunting. A um, couple of close calls there. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, mate. Some of these, some of the RFS, they were doing. Some of them were doing twelve-hour shifts, mate. Obviously, like I said, they were they were pretty thin. So uh, it was it was just uh, it was quite inspirational to see these. You know, they were just mums and dads and and you know retirees just wanting to do their part, and it was a different kind of strength. You know, yeah. 
I, I thought, you know, I'd go down and help out, and hopefully uh, I can be some assistance. Obviously, training and pre-season uh, the last couple of months, uh, but it, it's just a different strength. Um, uh, these people just hold, you know, it's just something that they want to do, and and they just kept at it. And like I said, it, it was pretty inspiring, and I drew strength from them. James Tamau joining us here on Sports Day. We're talking about the Penrith Panthers, their firefighter fundraiser that's happening this Saturday. It kicks off at 8am. There's going to be plenty of activities for the entire family, a chance to meet the players, a free barbecue breakfast. They're even going to have some haircuts going uh, on offer there as well. We'll talk more about that shortly. I've got to ask, James, I mean, how, how is the family? You mentioned the in-laws' property. Are they holding up okay? And, and, and what's the, the current situation around that Braidwood area and the... I guess the surrounding districts that are, are being affected. Yeah, so a couple of uh, close friends of the family, though, obviously, uh, they're doing it pretty tough. Uh, mm. It's got onto their property, and, and they, they want to always try and make a stand and defend it. You know, you've read about it, other people trying to do the same. But the, the fires are just obviously yep. too much. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the property down in Braidwood, it's at, they've actually got a bit of luck uh, with, with the wind. and But... Uh, the, the father-in-law just says, just delay the inevitable. So uh, they're, they're all prepared, though, mate. They're, they're prepared to they packed everything up and um, ready to uh, get away if need be. But, um, yeah, like I said, not, nothing compared to the devastation that other people have been going through. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear that, James. And uh, obviously, uh, continued best wishes to everyone involved across oh, the whole you. firefighting effort, but yourself and mm, those absolutely. close to you as well. Uh, on Saturday, the, the guys will be going through their paces to an open training session. It, it seems flippant. I mean, football becomes somewhat secondary with what's going on around the country at the moment. And the other question I would generally ask you around this time of year is how how are the legs coping? How How's the body dealing with the uh, pretty oppressive heat uh, around the Penrith region over the past couple of weeks? But in all seriousness, the boys back on track. How's uh, how's the start of the 2020 campaign looking from a Penrith point of view? Yeah, mate, it's actually pretty good. Everyone's uh, come back pretty fit. Uh, we obviously had a had a, had a big uh, six weeks before. We, we finished up with a, with a bit of an army camp, which was really good. Mm. Um, but uh, everyone's come back pretty good. Uh, the, the injured boys are coming back into into full training. Um, but yeah, we, obviously summertime around Penrith gets a bit hot. Uh, but uh, we've actually been lucky uh, some days. Um, I don't think you know. I think the luck will run out sooner or later. Though it's starting to to warm up a bit. But um, yeah, mate. It's obviously sad day. Uh, you know, you can come down and free food, free drink. And, uh, can, uh, for the fundraiser, you can get a haircut while you you watch us train, which is quite an experience. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, just anything that you can donate would would be uh, would be unreal. Yeah, Nate DeBarber uh, is uh, the man in question. Mm. Uh, the crew, in that's fact, the it. entire crew will be there. Twenty five dollar haircuts. So that's as cheap as chips. Mm. I just hope that yeah. um, I hope that beard of yours stays safe there, uh, James. They no, might be... Oh, mate, please. Any, anything, anything, <laughs> raise. I'll, I'll do anything. Uh, I go. think people. I think most uh, people are uh, asking for the Josh Mansell. So. Ah, <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Whatever that is. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, just just finally on that, uh, and as we said, this is all in off uh, effort of, of supporting the New South Wales. Rural Fire Service are just doing some incredible work at the moment. The volunteers that are giving up their time and stepping away from their job. So get along uh, and be a part of this. It's it's going to be absolutely massive. The firefighter fundraiser at Panthers Stadium. Just a quick and a last football related question for you, James. While we've mm. got you, um, you know, Panthers fans will be 
wondering if there's any youngsters burning up the track at the moment that might be uh, lesser-known players that, that could surprise and maybe be a, a sneaky chance come round one. Are there any fresh faces you can tell us about? Mate, we've, uh, I'm obviously I'm the oldest here now. That's during the loan he's uh, taken off. So, uh, mate, there's some crackers coming through. I think obviously we, we had a few debutants last year and yep. I can't see any change to that. The uh, the young ones coming through, uh, you know, we've got, uh, obviously we've got some new recruits. We've got Uppy Curacao, uh, Kurt Capewell and Zante Nivano who have just come and made an immediate mm. impact. Uh, but uh, we, we saw a few young ones come through, Matty Burton uh, last year um, and uh, Stephen Crichton, who made his debut last year. Uh, they're looking very good. So, And it's good to get these young ones, uh, get that experience early. Some of some of them, this, this is their first pre-season uh, in top grade. So yeah. they're, sort of, they're still sort of finding their feet, but in the same respect, they're, they're uh, biting at the heels. Um and obviously, you know, I've got the uh, uh, Brian Tor, who's uh, who's sort of you know that strong uh, Josh Mansell type uh, player out in the wing, and obviously Jerome Luai, who mm. will likely partner um, Nathan Cleary there in the half. So it, it's all happening, mate. It, it's just one of those things. Penrith have, have done so well, and obviously with one of the biggest uh, junior systems uh, going around, Penrith have just done so well to to get these players and, and groom them through and, and mate, some of them are going to have massive careers. Yeah, he's an absolute star, James Tarmow, and we wish him, his family and all associated with the Penrith Panthers and the great work they're doing this weekend, the very best as they try and raise some much needed funds for bushfire relief. We'll take a quick break here on Off the Bench. When we return, Power Player will nominate one of those and also catch up with former A-League manager and now Fox Sports expert Phil Moss to talk all things the world game. This is Off the Bench. This is Off The Bench. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Off The Bench, right around Australia. Yeah, welcome back to Off The Bench. Great to have your company wherever you're listening right around the country. Benny Jones is my name. Great to have you with us. And we've got plenty of shows still to come. Matt Hodgson from the Brisbane Bullets stopping by. We'll catch up with Sammy Highland for a Racing Queensland update as well. Uh, But before we get to Phil Moss to talk the world game, the sacking of Ernie Merrick, that was uh, a big surprise earlier on in the week. Let's uh, nominate a Makita Power Player. It's time to nominate the Makita Power Player, Makita's cordless power garden range, the landscaper's choice. Yeah, it's pretty simple. When power means business, make sure you've got yourself a Makita. Uh, look, I'm going to spread the net here for our Power Player nomination because I'm going to nominate, and I know this is kind of sidestepping the whole point of a power player, I'm going to nominate the entire Australian sporting community. Whether you're a fan, whether you're an athlete, a coach, an official, I think the response to the bushfires over the past couple of weeks, really since Nick Kyrgios kicked it off with 200 bucks for an ace, everyone has got behind the cause. So Nick deserves a lot of credit, but so does every athlete, whether here or abroad, because we've seen plenty of Aussies that are doing their thing overseas, uh, Premier League players, NBA basketballers, I think the nine Aussies, the big name nine, are putting together about a million dollars for bushfire fundraiser efforts. It has just been incredible. So you're all power players. And you, the fans who are chipping in at various venues around the country, whatever you can spare, it is just fantastic to see. So can't be any prouder to work in an industry where so many people are happy 
to do their part. Even though they're not directly affected, they want to get to those who are in such desperate need. So to so to everyone involved with Aussie Sport, I say, well done. You're a power player. Thanks to Makita with over 200 tools on the one battery. It is the landscaper's choice. Right now, let's talk some A-League. Phil Moss joined me earlier on in the week to talk about the sacking of Newcastle Jets boss Ernie Merrick, amongst a few other things, and of course, to look forward to another big weekend in the A-League. The second goal went down and the heads went down. You could just see that confidence in the players went down. Um, and it happened in Perth, you know, I think when the fourth goal went in, you know, so it's just, it's the results, results-driven business. You know, Ernie came here and done a great job and he was well-liked. And, um... It's not easy telling your mate that um, you know he's not got a job anymore. But it was a decision. I thought it was the betterment of the club to move forward, to change the fortunes of the club at the moment. Yeah, let's talk some A-League. And, uh, well, we're going to have a look at some of the big matches coming up this weekend, week 14 of the 2019-20 season. Of course, the big news that uh, emerged over the last 48 hours has been the sacking of Ernie Merrick, very popular, very successful A-League coach at the Newcastle Jets. And we just heard from their CEO, Laurie McKenna, there speaking after the announcement. Uh, a man who's been in the hot seat as an A-League manager and knows just how cutthroat a business it is, is Football Nation expert Phil Moss. He's been good enough to join us on the program. Welcome, Mossy. Yeah, thanks, Benny. Happy New Year to you and all the uh, listeners, mate. Likewise. Great to have you on board. Uh, look, the, the announcement that came after Newcastle's 4-0 defeat at the hands of Melbourne Victory and a couple of heavy defeats for the Jets in recent weeks, did it come as a surprise to you? Yeah, I think it always does when it when it happens, but um, there's certainly a trend of results, as you just mentioned, for Newcastle. It didn't look good, and it wasn't just the results. It was the, the number of goals they conceded. You could see things just weren't happening for whatever reason um but you know I, I honestly thought myself personally i thought only you know if anyone's got the experience to turn things around around attorney merrick he's a real father figure of australian coaching um he's a great guy but a very successful coach the longest serving a-league coach and someone that uh us younger coaches uh have certainly looked up to over many years i know mm. whenever i need to pick his brain he was always available so yeah look a sad day for for uh, for Ernie and his family, no doubt, because um, I know he really cherished uh, that job at the at the Jets. It's such a fine line between success and failure, isn't it, Mossy? And you know, a couple of years ago, they're playing off in a grand final, one in which, if we're being brutally honest, they were denied the opportunity to lift silverware off the back of a, a VAR disaster. They were a, a wonderful side to watch that season, and you only fast forward, what is it, eighteen months, and all of a sudden he's out of a job. What's next for the Jets? I mean, do they look? for experience? Do they look for someone who knows the A-League landscape? Do they try something a little bit left field? What, what do you think? Yeah, look, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I mean, you look at what Brisbane have done with Robbie Fowler and, um, you know, I've always maintained that, you know, the A-League shouldn't be a, a development league for, for foreign coaches. If we're going to develop any coaches um, in the A-League that should be Australian-based, in my opinion, and yeah. certainly from a football coaches Australia point of view. Um, but I think Newcastle are in an interesting space at the moment. You know, they've got the owner. There's been some rumours about him wanting to wind uh, wind back his involvement. Um, whether that's true or not, you, you'd have to ask Laurie McKinner, of course. Um, but but what I do know about Newcastle, it's a very parochial sporting town, and, mm. and they need success up there. That The fans up there deserve success. Um, it's a wonderful city, um, and and that's a really enticing job for 
for anyone really uh, to, to take over from Ernie because, uh, you know, there's good structures around the club. They've got some good people involved in Laurie uh, McKinna, of course, um, Joel Griffiths, um, Craig Deans, and, and a few others behind the scenes as well. Um, an ex-player yeah. I used to coach, Daniel McBrune, is involved as well. So, mm. you know, there's a whole heap of different options. I've heard Harry Kill's name yep. involved, but I don't think they're in a position where they can take um, too big a risk. You know, they need some success. They need to build on that grand final appearance two years ago, um, and they need someone who knows uh, knows their way around the A-League and the salary cap to, to achieve that. Yeah, I heard the name even Sven Goran Eriksson might have put his CV forward, <laughs> according to Laurie, which is uh, certainly a left-field option, uh, a man who's managed some of the biggest nations in the world as well as some big clubs. But, uh, look, as far as your role, and you mentioned the FCA, uh, you are the president representing that body that represents coaches and, and managers throughout Australian football. Without going into the specifics of, of Ernie's case... Once the announcement is made that a coach is being sacked or is being removed, what's your role or what's your body's role from then on? Well, I think I think it comes down to, you know, FFA at the moment run coach education and they're the ones that get the coaches qualified. Um, and, and we're really charged with um, and, and privileged to... Um, to deal with the ongoing professional development and well-being of coaches. And, yep. you know, that, that's where we come in. You know, both myself and, and Glenn Worry um, have reached out to Ernie over the last few days just to ask if he needs any support. Um, he knows that we're, we're here for him. Um, so we've had some contact. And, and that's really the, the, the process of, um, I guess, um, extricating yourself from a, from a club when, when things go south and making mm. sure the contractual obligations are met and things like that is where we come into it. Um, and, and, you know, then obviously making sure the coach, because it's a, it's a funny old game coaching. You, yeah. You've got to recharge your, your mobile phone battery by about 9.30 a.m. when you're in a job, and then it <laughs> takes two weeks to run, run flat when you're out of the job. So, yeah. uh, you know, us being there to support Ernie and any coach going through uh, good times and bad, that's what we're here for. You're listening to Off The Bench, right around Australia. You're listening to Off The Bench, right around Australia. Yeah, welcome back to Off The Bench. Very soon, we're going to focus in on some basketball. Maddie Hodgson and the Brisbane Bullets, they've got a big game away to the New Zealand Breakers on Sunday. Before that, though, let's talk some racing. Magic Million style, Sammy Highland caught up with him earlier in the week to get some of his good oil ahead of some big, big races. Time for a Racing Queensland update. Summer Carnival, visit racingqueensland.com.au. It's that time on the show where we've been building to the big, big race meets this weekend. It's one of the great race days on the Australian racing calendar. It's the Magic Millions. It's all happening. Sam Highland is our racing Queensland expert. And if you think he's excited about this, well, that's one of the understatements of the week. Sammy, great to have you on the program. Benny, it's going to be a cracker day on Saturday. It's a big week on the Gold Coast, uh, obviously, with the Magic Millions, uh, the big race day on Saturday. But the sales, uh, you know, I was out at the sales yesterday and couple couple sold for over a million dollars. It's so popular. The whole week is just absolutely buzzing on the Gold Coast. Picked up a couple yourself, Sammy, or are you just an interested onlooker? Uh, look, I kept the hands down, but uh, <laughs> Kieran Ma was in hot form. He picked up eight yesterday, yeah. and, and I think uh, they were all filled up straight away before he left the sale yard. So uh, he's the team to be following out of uh, this year's sales, I can tell you. No doubt. We'll keep an eye out for those in years to come. But for the here and now, let's look to a couple of big races and, of course, get your best on the card as well, Sammy. Let's start with the Guineas. 
Yeah, gee, Alligator Blood, he, he looks special in this race. Uh, $1.75 is on the tab. He's a class horse, and he's the pride of Queensland. I think he'll mm. win easy. He's an absolute star. It'll be it'll be no problem for him. All right, let's move on to the Magic Millions Classic, Sam. I know you'll have one or two here. It's a great race, this. Uh, so much depth in it and a few different form lines, but I'm sticking with away game, uh, number 14. You can get her at $16 on the tab, and she was a good winner of the Callaway Gal. She's improved from that. Her work last Saturday between races at the Gold Coast was outstanding. She worked better than Rathlin, and look, she's just going to need a little bit bit of luck from that gate, but if she gets a sweet run for the first half, gee, she's going to give it a good sight uh, at the end of it. Yeah, I think at, at $16, yeah. she's a super chance. All right, some ears have pricked up listening to that, and let's get your best for the day as well, Sammy. Leave us with something special. Race two, let's go with Atana. $2.90 on the tab, 1,800-metre race. Good draw. It's a nice race for her, and she'll be getting the cash. Get around Atana. All right, the Star Gold Coast Magic Millions. It's happening this Saturday. It's going to be a cracking day of racing. You can find out all the details and, of course, get your tickets at racingqueensland.com.au. Sammy, it's been great fun chatting with you these past couple of weeks, building up towards the Magic Millions. Uh, Thank you on behalf of the listeners for all of your input and happy punting come Saturday. Thanks very much, Benny. Thank you, Sammy. Time to talk basketball. He's a big man who plays a big role at the Brisbane Bullets. Matty Hodgson, Boomer's rep as well. Caught up with him after the great win over the Wildcats, but another big challenge awaits as they head over the ditch to take on the Breakers. Offensive ability with this team. The runner from Kadee jumps out. Now Hodgson off the glass. That or an arm holder. Here's Matty Hodgson. In close range, they just don't miss. Kendall spots Hodgson again. That five will go to seven with a dunk. Yeah, joining us on Sports Day, uh, thanks to our friends at Care. It's great to catch up with uh, one of the stars of the Brisbane Bullets. He's their big man in the centre. He's a Boomers rep as well, Matty Hodgson. It's been good enough to jump on the line right after practice and have a bit of a chat to us. Welcome, Matt. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on, mate. Appreciate that. Always good to get to you after a win and ahead of another big game this weekend over the ditch in New Zealand. We'll talk about that shortly. But, boy, that response at the Armoury against Perth, who are one of the top sides in this competition, Matty, uh, that was fantastic. And just what the doctor ordered after that, uh, that heartbreaker against Cairns a few nights earlier. Yeah, it was, mate. I mean, it was obviously a must-win for us. And if we dropped that one, we could... Damn near been uh, playing a man Monday for, for the rest of the season. So um, that was really good that we got that. Everyone really responded well to, like you said, that heartbreaker. And uh, we're just looking forward to sort of continue that form and make a playoff push to the last eight games of the season. There really is not much in this competition, is there? I mean, Sydney burst out of the blocks and everyone just thought it was a case of catch-up with them. They've had a, a little bit of a rough trot over the past three or four weeks. Perth, who you beat on the weekend, they're obviously another contender. And then you've got Melbourne United. But beyond that, and and, and really down to pretty much eighth spot, there's not much separating the sides at the moment. It's great. No, it's really cool. And that's been, that's been the fun part about being in the NBL over the last, I mean, three, four years, is that each year it's always pretty much come down to the last week and last mm. round to see who is going to end up in the playoffs. So I think as fans, I mean, as players, it's stressful, but it's also exciting to play in. And as fans, I think it's something really exciting to watch. I think with the, the Bullets and, and looking from afar, clearly, Matty, uh, the, the issue at times has maybe been consistency, put in a, an amazing performance and then maybe back it up a, a little a little under par the next. I know Andre Lamanis and the team and, and yourself will be working on that. Do you get the feeling, though, as we get towards the end of the season that you guys are starting to sort of figure out 
your best basketball and bringing it more often? Yeah, I mean, I'll, to agree, I 100% agree with your point. Definitely consistency has been our issue. It's not that we don't have talent, we don't have the, the pieces to it. Um, I do feel like over the last three, four weeks, we've actually been starting to play more consistent with more consistent effort and a style of basketball that we recognise. Uh, a lot of it is what has been let us down over the past, just like shooting, shooting mm. the ball poorly, which is kind of surprising with the with the shooters and everything we have. Um, and obviously the game against Cam sort of highlighted that point. But um, guys have been putting in the work and everything like that. So I do feel, I feel as the weeks are, as a progressing for these next four weeks and these eight games, I do feel like we're going to um, keep dropping shots, and I think that will help with, I guess, the results and our consistency. It was obviously a massive collective effort against the Wildcats on Sunday. Maddie. it's also helped when you've got a bloke by the name of Lamar Patterson who just decides to have a bit of a night out. 35 points, I think, from memory, about 11, 12 boards. He's just, when he's on like that, is it, I mean, it's probably more complicated, I imagine, but is it as simple as just get the ball in his hands as often as you can? Well, I just think getting Lamar to his strengths. Like, uh, yeah. you know, if he's feeling good, for, if he's feeling good, he's probably going to be hitting threes, but... If, uh, if we can get Lamar some easy shots, I think that helps. I mean, just getting him downhill, uh, like attacking the basket, just using his strength to be able to sort of bump guys off. So I think as bigs, like for me and other guys, like it's making sure we're setting good screens so that uh, when their defender does get back to Lamar, they're on his hip. And once the defender's on Lamar's hip, there's really nothing they can do because he's so strong, he's just mm. going to keep him there. And just waltz down the lane for a layup, basically. Looking to Sunday, Maddie, the Breakers, who maybe three or four weeks ago, they were seemingly in disarray, but such is the nature of this competition. They've they've found their mojo. They've strung some wins together. They're a dangerous opponent, and particularly on their home court, always a tough challenge. But no doubt the, the boys are looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, we I mean, we are on too, right? Like, we uh, yeah. lost over their place a tough match, and then we had control of the game for basically three and a half quarters before uh, in our last matchup with them, and went all the way down the wire, they hit a game winner against us. So, um, no, we're really looking forward to this matchup. We want to go there, we want to beat them. Now, of course, as you're aware, Matt, and I know that the Bullets are doing their part, certainly the NBL are, are chipping in as well with the, the bushfire relief efforts right around Australia. It's affected so many people in so many different ways. Uh, I'm just wondering, after reading a few press releases from the NBL, whether Andre Lamanis might give the boys a bit more licence to jack up a few more three-point attempts? Because I think there's some good cash going uh, the way of bushfire relief uh, for all three-pointers, mate. Yeah, I mean, I don't think our team needs uh, any more <laughs> sort of motivation to jack up threes, mate. So just whether we hit them or not. So I do, I hope that in the spirit of wanting to help out the, uh, yeah. the people affected by it, that the boys are sort of nailing threes at a pretty, uh, pretty insane rate because that's not only good for us, but it would be good for, for the uh, for the victims as well. I think there's some good cash for dunks as well. So if you can uh, look after that for us, Matty, it would be greatly appreciated. On a, on a serious note, though, I mean, as a pro athlete and while you're focusing on the job at hand, it, it would be impossible not to notice what's happening around you. I'm sure, as we've said with the community, it's probably affected the, the guys in, in certain ways. Um, how, have you, um, how have you seen the response to it from not only the basketball community, but clearly the wider sporting community has been amazing? Well, yeah, it has been amazing. I think worldwide response has been pretty amazing yeah. too. I mean, I think that America has been um, showing like a lot of the, the action over, over there and, and a lot of celebrities and, and people are sort of digging into their pockets to help. So I think it's... Um, I mean, it's all. I mean, as heartbreaking as it is um, to see these things happening to these poor people, like it's, it is also sort of heartwarming to see the mm. general response and that sort of shared humanity that everyone sort of chips in when other people are down. You know, so uh, making the best have a really, really bad situation. But I do feel like that, especially Australia, Australian, uh, Australian sports people have been yeah. doing an unbelievable job. And um, I mean, that's my 
my view of it, but also just people overseas who have been been unbelievably supportive. Uh, it's a great view, very positive outlook, and uh, yeah, appreciate your thoughts on that one, Matty. Uh, we will wish you all the very best. That's um, all we can say now as you guys head over to New Zealand to take on a, a pretty formidable outfit in the breakers, but you're right, you do owe them, so hopefully when we catch up uh, with you next, uh, we'll be talking about a, a big W on the road for the Brisbane Bullets. Mate, good luck with that one and the rest of the season, and thanks for joining us here on Sports Day. We really appreciate it. No, thank you very much, Graham. Really appreciate it too. That's our show. Thanks for joining us here on Off The Bench. We'll be back same time next week with a pick of the bunch of our favourite moments through the week on Sports Day. Uh, Whoever you're cheering for this weekend, if you're playing sport, hope it's a good one for you, and we'll see you same time next week. Take care.